Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. We are in Psalms 61 this morning. We are uh, in our second week of a series called Comfort and Joy, and we have been discussing uh, different psalms, four different psalms. This is the second week in which uh, we could use for difficult days, for troubling times and seasons full of worry. Um, last week, we asked the question, how are you doing? And we looked at Psalm 73. And if you'd like, uh, you can go back to our website. You can find our, our messages on uh, podcast form in Apple and in Spotify. You can go back and review Psalm 73. And we looked at what do we do when we're discour- discouraged and frustrated and uh, this week will be in Psalms 61. And last week we asked a question, how are you doing? This week we asked the question, how's your heart doing? This is a psalm for when your heart is overwhelmed. We've talked about the fact that God has provided very specific scripture for us in these days and these te- times and seasons. The psalms themselves are a song book. They're a hymnal of sorts. They're collections of Psalms and poems and songs written uh, mostly uh, by, uh, by people who are going through oftentimes the most difficult portions of their life. We talked about how they're brutally honest and they're almost irreverent in their audacity and yet the Psalms give us an anchor of hope. They give us this place where we can go to when sometimes it's really hard for us to describe in our own words what our heart is feeling and how, how many of you sometimes you've heard a, a song on the radio or a, a song in the background of a commercial and for some reason maybe you can't describe how you're doing but the song captures how you're doing how many of you have songs like that in your life right and you have memories associated with those songs and even to this day if I hear a song or I hear just a few notes of a song I can go back to the Maybe the first time I heard it, or the time I heard it in concert, or the time I was going through something really awesome, and that song is a marker for me, or other times when I was going through something very difficult, and that song was in my life. Songs and music and lyrics have a way to to peg our memories like that, right? In a very similar case, you're going to find that with the book of Psalms, that as you read through the Psalms and you try to imagine what they might have been like to be sung or heard for the very first time, you'll find they identify with very specific moments in people's lives. One of the tragedies we'd have is we don't have the musical arrangement of the songs. It would be interesting and beautiful to hear Psalm 23 being sung by David, wouldn't it? It would be so beautiful to hear... Psalm, Psalm 91, which we're going to look at next week. Many people believe Moses wrote Psalm 91. It would be awesome to hear Moses' voice sing the words. And yet we don't have that, and so we have to use our imagination a little bit to understand what it might have been like to hear these words as they've been sung. When we look at Psalm 61, you're going to notice this is a psalm for when your heart is overwhelmed. This is written by King David, and David was often in trouble. We don't know the specific life circumstances that prompted this psalm, but it does seem to come after he came to the throne. Now what we'll do is we're going to read the psalm, we'll discuss it, and in discussing it, I hope to find some meaning, some, some, some significance for this life, and ultimately we'll find hope for the next life. 
And so for a few moments, let's listen to the words of King David as we read Psalms 61 together. It reads this way, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Psalms 61. David's heart is overwhelmed. Now, he had plenty of reasons for his heart to be overwhelmed in his lifetime. If we just do a, a quick uh, overview of his life, we will notice there were significant political pressures that he was under. David, as a young man, was appointed as the next king of uh, God's people, and yet for much of the early years of his life, he spent it on the run. Saul would chase him, and David would elude his capture, and and for many years, many of the psalms that we are reading are written by David when he's hiding. He's in rocks and he's in caves and he is hiding the capture of Saul who just wants to eliminate David because David is the threat to the throne because he's been anointed. He's been more popular than Saul. And so David faced political pressures. He was a person that had to deal with wars and with battles and, and sought to protect God's people. Most of the time making very good decisions, but also in the throes of battle, he would make some very severe mistakes, and we know about them. He faced personal family uh, pressures. Uh, he had complicated relationships. He was married to Saul's daughter. His own son threatened his own throne, Absalom, in his many years. And while David, uh, for much of his life, uh, led his country in a good and a right way, led his family the best he knew how, he kind of alienated this one relationship in his life with Absalom. And we see later in his life that his son threatened his throne. He had personal pressures. We know of David because we know of his highs and we know of his lows. We know that he defeated Goliath and yet he's also the one that committed adultery. We know he's the one that led uh, Israel for victory over victory over victory, but he's also the one that got a man killed who was innocent. His relationships were complicated. He had shortcomings and brokenness of his own. And so for David, his heart was overwhelmed at the writing of this psalm. I want you to think back. What would cause your heart to be overwhelmed? Maybe it's career or money or finances. Maybe it's relationships and family. Maybe it's just personal expectations and pressure. But for David, when his heart was overwhelmed, one of the reasons I believe the New Testament calls David a man after God's own heart is in every moment of brokenness or when he had shortcoming, he went to God. He went to the source of all life to give him new life in those moments. And what we'll see in David in this psalm is David's prayer. 
If you're following in your notes, David's prayer is a cry for rescue when his heart is overwhelmed. Look at verse 1 again with me. It says this, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. By way of example, David gives us a really clear guideline for when his heart is overwhelmed. He went right to God, the source of all life. What's our first response when our heart is overwhelmed? What is the first response when our heart is overwhelmed? Um, my goal in, in our goal in going through this study is to try to be as honest as possible. And so the first response when my heart is overwhelmed is I'm going to worry. I'm going to take matters into my own hand and I'm going to worry because worrying works, doesn't it? I had a mentor of mine who's since moved away from Roseburg, pastored in our community for 30 years. He had an elder who was going through a significant uh, difficult season of his marriage and one of the, the difficult parts of it is his wife, the elder's wife, worried a lot. And during a course of pastoral counseling, this pastor asked uh, the elder and the elder's wife to, for one week, write down every specific thing you're worrying about. And she agreed. So for six, seven days, every time she worried, which was multiple times a day, she would write them down. I'm worried about my kids and blank. I'm worried about the finances. I'm worried about our nation. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. At the next time they were together, they reviewed those index cards, and it was interesting because nothing that she wrote on those index cards came to fruition. And the pastor said, what have you learned? And she said, I learned that worrying works. Because I worried about it, and none of those actually came true. Perspective is everything, right? What's your first response when your heart is overwhelmed? I'm going to worry about something. I'm going to fret about something. One of David's most beautiful uh, characteristics of his life is in brokenness, he recognized who God was. And here is his cry. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my heart. He didn't presume a response from God, but actively asked for God to respond. He said, hear my prayer cry and listen to my respond. David's cry revealed his needs. We go on to verse 2 as we look at the needs. In verse 2 it says this, From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now from what we know, David didn't travel outside the promised land outside of Israel. Yet figuratively, he was at the end of human understanding and strength and resources. There was a real and powerful sense in which his prayer was offered from the ends of the earth. In other words, he searched for answers. He searched for ways to fix this overwhelming sensation. He has searched his own heart and he comes to God saying, Hear my cry, listen to my prayer. From the urns of the earth I call to you. He says this, the words in your Bible read this in verse 2, my heart grows faint. In the Hebrew, this is the same word that is translated in Jonah 2 and verse 7 to describe Jonah's angst. And the Hebrew word here is the same word in which we get our word overwhelmed. My heart grows faint. My heart is overwhelmed. 
Now here's the thing, we're not told why David was overwhelmed, and this is probably a good thing. We don't know if this was a political issue or a family pressure or a personal sin that he was dealing with. And I think if we knew his specific circumstance, we would be strongly tempted uh, to limit God's mercy to that area. For instance, if we knew that it was strictly a career thing for David and he had other people hunting his throne, and because of this his heart was overwhelmed, we could fool ourselves and think, well, God showed up to him because this was a very specific situation regarding his career. If we, if we knew this was about him and Absalom and this family relationship, if we knew the, the specificity of it, we would limit God's resources to that type of family issue. And yet I think it's beautiful for us that we don't know the exact area in which David's heart is overwhelmed because we won't be tempted to limit God's rescue. God wanted this prayer to be prayed by his people no matter the reason for our heart to be overwhelmed. He revealed his needs in his prayer. There's three needs I saw if you're following in your notes. Number one, David needed a place beyond himself. You see those words, lead me. In other words, I am limited by my own time and space. I'm limited by my own resources. I am limited, and so Lord, would you lead me? He needed a place beyond himself. David was unable to get the firm footing place above his own crisis that he needed, and so he needed a place beyond himself. I would say this, he also needed a place of stability. He says, lead me to the rock. He needed a rock, a place of stability and security, something strong enough to stand against the crashing waves or quaking earth. The thought of God being a rock is prominent in God's, or in David's Psalms, because David spent so much of his life hiding in the rocks. He was uh, using the rocks of the wilderness as places of refuge and protection as Saul would seek his capture. And so you could imagine David in, uh, in hiding in the rocks and in the different formations, when he looked at those rocks and recognized they were a place of stability, a place of security, a place of frustration, no doubt he recognized God is my rock. So he says, lead me to the rock, a place beyond himself, a place of stability, but also a place above himself. He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, a place above his own wisdom, above his ability you see, humanly speaking, he had reached the top of the ladder. He had succeeded in his career. He was the king of God's people. And yet he realized that wasn't enough. He needed something higher than himself. How about it, church? Do you need a place beyond yourself? Do you need a place of stability? Do you need a place that is above yourself? Because what you're doing right now isn't working and your heart's overwhelmed. David is a prayer warrior and he has a cry for rescue when his heart is overwhelmed. He revealed his needs, but his cry for rescue is rooted in trust based on God's past faithfulness. I love verse 3 and 4. Look at it with me. He says this, you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. He says, you have been my refuge. David remembered that God had answered such prayers in the past. And in the past, God himself had been a shelter and a strong tower for David. 
And so church, the experiences in the past where God has shown up for us give us the faith to live in today's uncertainties. I want you to think about where you feel like your life is overwhelmed and reduce it to maybe just a word or a couple of words. And when you think about the place in which your life is overwhelmed, I want you also to recognize where God has shown up in that area in your life before. You see, when I have... um, um, when Libby and I have um, uncertainty in our family, whether it's a brother or a sister or our parents, one thing we will do, and we have, to, we have to prompt each other for it, we'll say, God has shown up in our family before, hasn't he? And he'll remind ourselves, we will remind ourselves of mended relationships that have happened in the past to get through today's uncertainty. When we think, I don't, when I get to a point in my life where I say, I don't know how, how, how blank can possibly happen in my life. Whether it's something in the future I'm worried about or something for the church or something in our marriage, I don't know how blank is possible. You know, one thing I have to condition myself is to remind myself where God has shown up where it seemed to be impossible. I think about uh, some eight, nine years ago now, walking into this church for the very first time, not knowing what to expect, and realized I was being loved by a church family. And I go back to moments in my life where God has shown up in unexpected ways, and that faithfulness from, for God in the past anchors today's uncertainties. So, where has God shown up in the past? Think about this area where your heart is overwhelmed. For some of you, it might be family. For some of you, it might be uh, different relationships. It might be career or, or financially related. Where your heart is overwhelmed, I want you to take a moment, even right now during this message, and say, how has God shown up in this area before? How has God shown up in my finances before? How has God shown up in my relationships before? Because recognizing God's faithfulness in the past is going to be your anchor for today's uncertainties. And what David realized is this, your memory, your memory is a weapon for you or against you. Isn't it awesome, or awesome's not the word, awful's the word. Isn't it awful the tricks our mind can play on us? And we remember the bad with such... Vivid clarity. We remember the worst in our life with such amazing detail. We can remember the clothes we were wearing when we went through a hurt, and we can remember the taste in our mouth when we experienced that pain. We can remember the, the temperature and the, the song that was playing and the people in our life that was hurt, but yet God's faithfulness through the years and through the moments and through the days, for some reason, unless we condition ourselves to remember, is easily forgotten. And your memory can be a weapon for you or against you. And you get to decide. It's amazing when you look at the Psalms how often they recall how God shows up in the past. And in fact, if you've ever done any kind of reading through the Old Testament, how many different times did they say, oh man, God just showed up in our life. You know what we're going to do? We're going to put a bunch of rose, uh, rocks in a, in a place. We're going to have an altar. We're going to have this place so that years from now when they come and they say, what do these rocks mean? We get to tell them, oh, this is where God showed up for us. 
In fact, when all throughout the Old Testament, when God showed up for the people of Israel, Moses and then Joshua took very special care to say, remember what God has done for you. Your memory is a weapon for you or against you. David chose to realize that you have been my refuge. He says, God, you've been a strong tower, and I long to dwell in your tent forever. Even though today's uncertain and my heart is overwhelmed and I have all these different pressures, you have shown up for me in the past, so I live with today's uncertainties in your faithfulness. Now, when David does this, he describes a he paints a picture for what God's faithfulness has felt like. Look at the verse again. He says this, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. And he says this, I long to dwell in your tent forever. This word is a word that's used as a refuge for the weary traveler. The place where protection and hospitality are given to the honored guest. The tent of God is the tabernacle of worship. It's the center for Israel's sacrifice and worship. And in this uh, memory bank that David is using to recall God's faithfulness in the past, he describes God's presence as the tent, the refuge. He goes on to use another word. He uses the word wings. Look at verse 4. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Wings are the the near and protected place that a mother bird would give to her offspring, protecting her chicks under the shelter of her wings. You guys know I'm an outdoorsman. I'm a nature guy. I was was golfing the other day. That's the outdoors kind of thing I do. I was golfing the other day at Stewart Park, and in the the water uh, areas there are uh, goose right now. And baby goose are called goslings, right? Goslings. And when you get near the goslings, those mother goose, and I have a video on my phone, those mother goose will come up and they'll spread the wings. And all of a sudden, they'll crowd those baby goslings. And it's protection. And if you're under the wing of a goose, you know two things. Number one, you're near the goose because her wings can reach you, but you also know you're protected. David is remembering, and he's going back in his mind. He's saying, man, my heart is overwhelmed today, but I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to go back, and I remember, yep, God, uh, and I want to stay in the shelter of your wings. I want to be near you, and I want to be protected. That's the imagery he's painting, and with image after image, David builds upon the idea of the rock that is higher than I, first stated in verse 2. No one could fully express the greatness of God's help to David. David's cry for rescue is when his heart is overwhelmed. His cry revealed his needs and his cry is uh, rooted in trust based on God's faithfulness. We see in verse 5 God's answer to David's prayer. We, hear, we see that God hears David's cry for rescue. Look at verse 5. He says this, For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You have heard me. I don't know of any greater comfort than this. God hears your cry. In the quietness of your pain, and in the quietness of your grief, of your brokenness, I don't know of any comfort than this that God hears you. 
And church, if we, if, if we are going to heal in these moments where our heart is overwhelmed, we're going to have to get used to this idea of crying before God. It's an amazing thing how, how often in my prayer life I will catch myself not being honest with God. And for some reason, there's this temptation in all of us when we pray to guard ourselves from full-blown honesty with God, to be completely vulnerable. No one else is in the room. You're praying. And for some reason, there's part of us that, as a self-defense mechanism perhaps, we shield ourselves from full vulnerability. And you know, what God is asking for is this, this moment where we can be completely honest with him And David does a beautiful job of painting a picture of what that looks like. God, you have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. God cares for David when his heart is overwhelmed. He cares for him in such a way where David recognizes that way back to verse 1, not only did he hear his cry, he has listened to David's prayer. We keep reading in verse 6 and 7, and there's some interesting phrases in David's prayer. He says this, Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. That first phrase in verse 6, increase the days of the king's life. It's an idiom for the prosperity of the reigning monarch as well as the preservation of his dynasty. It's the similar to the British version of God save the queen. Because what David is asking for is to increase the days of the king's life. He's confidently expecting God's blessing upon his reign. You see, David did not think so highly of himself, but rather thought so highly of the God who keeps his promises. One of the reasons why I love David is David doesn't take himself very seriously, but he takes God very seriously. And I think, I think that balance is important in our life. And if, 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 if we ever get to the point where we don't take God seriously, but we take ourselves too seriously, you see the kind of imbalance that could happen in our life? Where we take the things of God and the values of God and we say, well, uh, we're not going to take that so seriously, but for, our, for ourselves, we're going to take ourselves very seriously. David did not think of himself so highly, but instead he thought so highly of the God who keeps his promises. This is a back-to-basics kind of psalm. Not only did he recognize God's faithfulness in the past, he used that memory to look forward and say, I'm going to recognize God's promises that he's going to keep. He thought so highly of the God who keeps his promises. Think about the areas in your life that your heart is overwhelmed, and I want you to claim and hold on to the promises that God has given us. Boy, David was able to recognize that my heart is overwhelmed. Now, if I take a moment, I recognize you have been my strong tower. You have shown up in my life before. You have redeemed me. You have forgiven me. You have shown up in my life, in my career, in all of these different areas. So I choose in this day to stay under your wings. I choose in this day to recognize you're a strong tower. And as he did that, as he looked back and recognized God's faithfulness, it gave him the faith to embrace God's promises for the future. David didn't think so highly of himself, but rather thought so highly of the God who keeps his promises. 
Boy, where is your heart overwhelmed? As we finish Psalm 61, we come to this beautiful truth that when David's heart was overwhelmed, he prayed and he praised his way to rescue. Look at verse uh, verse 8. He says this, Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. David began the psalm desperately crying out to God with a heart that was fainting and overwhelmed, and yet the song ends with praise honoring the character of God as he expressed his name and doing so forever. David knew that he had an unending obligation to thank and honor God. It could and should be done daily, and that type of praise forever. Comfort and joy are on the other side of prayer and praise. They're on the other side of prayer and praise. Now, often in our life, the the balance between prayer and praise is going to be the solid footing for us to face uncertain days. What does it look like to live a life of comfort and joy? It's the kind of life that is balanced between this idea of praying and praising God. Comfort and joy are on the other side of prayer and praise. So, I want you to think in your moment right now, when your heart is overwhelmed, what's your first response? What is that first response when your heart is overwhelmed? What is, the, what is the immediate reaction that your body goes through? What's the muscle memory you've created over the years that allows a measure of, uh, 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 of being a self-defense mechanism when your heart is overwhelmed? Because for some of us, it's to completely unpla- unplug and to detach. It's to build walls in your relationships Because if I only have a few people close to me, there's only a few people that can hurt me. And when our heart is overwhelmed and we're vulnerable, it's easy to say, well, you know, I'm going to remove this person from my life and I'm not going to see this person anymore. In fact, I'm just going to make this circle really, really small and really tight because the fewer people that are close to me, the fewer people that can hurt me. What's your response when your heart is overwhelmed? So, like this couple that were taught to write down every time they were worried, this week, I need you to take your spiritual blood pressure every day and ask yourselves, how is my heart doing? Is it full? Is it full of gratitude? Is it overwhelmed? Is it to the point where my heart is divided between three or four different emotions? That recognition of where your heart is will lead you to what your response could be. So, your heart is overwhelmed. What's your first response? I would say this. Your first response should be this, to cry out to Jesus. Let him hear your cry. Let him hear your prayer. Let him hear the broken sound of a child whose heart is overwhelmed. You ever been around a, a, a child that's heart is overwhelmed? And there's so many different feelings going on at the same time. How does a child respond? Talk to me. How does a child respond? Huh? Sometimes they cry, right? Sometimes they're just overwhelmed and there's tears. I was with the, I was with a child this, uh, in the last month, I'll say, and... Uh, they were going through a lot of things with different friends. 
And at one point during the conversation, it wasn't a full blubbering cry. It was just where your tears just start flowing. And the tears represent the words you can't even speak, right? What else happens in a child when their heart's overwhelmed? Anger? Anger, right? I'm going to take out my frustration on the nearest thing my fist touches. Withdrawal? I don't want to play with anyone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to do that. You ever see a child uh, stop eating? And they lose appetite? Um, these, are, these are all like these normal responses when our heart can't quite describe, when, when, our, when we can't quite describe what our heart is going through. And I feel like I need to give a disclosure right here. Um, this is not a study on how to fix anything that's happening if this is a mental health crisis in your life. I think I told you last week when Libby and I were going through some really, really difficult times, we both saw and sought and continue to see a therapist, a pastoral counselor who walks us through these moments. And so if you're listening to this online or if you're here in the building, I don't, I don't, mean, to, I don't mean to minimize the mental health concern that you're going to. In fact, I would highly recommend you see the help that you need. But from a spiritual context, there is, there is some truth here that would help supplement that idea that there is a vulnerability God is seeking from us that allows us to be led back to him. There's a place that is higher than I. There's a place that's beyond us. There's a place that's more than we can give, and it's to the rock that is higher than I. So, our response when our heart is overwhelmed. I want you to think about this this week. How has God shown up for you and your family in the past? And this should be a journal. This should be an ongoing discussion that you should have with yourself. In fact, I would recommend you do this daily, where you simply ask the question, how has God shown up for me and my family? And the more you remind yourself of where God's faithfulness shows up, the more you can live in today's uncertainties. And all of a sudden, there's a glimmer of comfort and joy. There's a glimmer of hope as you step into the uncertainty because you recognize that God has shown up and he will answer and fulfill the promises in his life. I would encourage you to begin a daily journal that simply asks, answers this question, how has God shown up for me? And my family. And then I would ask you this what would it look like to praise God daily? What would it look like to praise God for all that He's done? What would it look like to take music and words and allow them to be the voice of praise and worship that goes to our Heavenly Father, in which we are called to praise and whom we are called to worship? What would it look like to praise Him daily? What would it look like to spend 15 minutes of your day just in worship and praise with maybe an open hymnal at your, at your bedside or, or, or a worship soundtrack? What would it look like to praise God daily? That center of praise, that center of worship gives you the perspective you need to face uncertainties. Comfort and joy are on the other side of prayer for when your heart is overwhelmed. Would you bow together for, for a moment? We're going to take a moment to reflect.
But I'm going to give you a chance to respond as well. Psalm 61, when our heart is overwhelmed. Father, as we think about David's words here, when we think about his cry, his prayer, Father, we, um, I think a lot of us look at some of these words and we say, oh yeah, that's, I've been feeling that. I've been feeling my heart overwhelmed. I've been feeling like my heart is growing faint. And we would echo the words of David and say, hear our cry, God. Listen to our prayer. From the ends of the earth, we call to you. God, we call as our heart grows faint. And we ask you to lead us to the rock that is higher than I. God, you have been our refuge. You have been a strong tower against the enemies. And we long to dwell in your tent forever, your presence and your protection. We long to take refuge in the shelter of your wings. God, you have heard our cry. You have given us the heritage of those who fear your name, those who have lived before us, who have gone before us, those in our life, those in our church family who have followed after you. You have given us that heritage. And so, Father, we say we will sing in praise of your name and will fulfill our vows day after day. With your head bowed for just a moment to give us some privacy. And if you're watching online, I'd encourage you to take a moment to bow your head, to have this moment where you get to reflect and respond. Boy, if this kind of trust, if this kind of faith where you put your faith in God is something new to you and you've never placed your trust in God, allow me to talk to you for just a moment. This is your opportunity to come to Jesus. This is your opportunity to put your faith and trust in someone who died for you. This is, a, this is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of the Most High, Jesus' only Son. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting, eternal life. Jesus came so that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. And so if you've never had the opportunity to put your faith and trust in Christ, we invite you to do so today. We invite you to say yes to Jesus and to proclaim him Lord of your life, to trust him, to give you life and meaning and significance in this life and to provide hope for the next. And if this is you, we encourage you to say yes to Jesus. We encourage you to reach out. We would love to gift you some things that would help you in your walk with God. We would uh, love to pray with you. We would love to celebrate your decision to become a follower of God. In a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And when we do, one of our elders, Dean Soper, is going to lead us. And in that moment, we're going to pray and we're going to identify with Christ by taking communion then. It's the time we get to honor and celebrate Jesus' sacrifice for us. And maybe today is the day where you can Take communion for the first time as a follower of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ and maybe this is your moment or maybe you've had moments in the past where your heart has been overwhelmed, 
I would just encourage you. I'd encourage you to, to cry out to Jesus. I'd encourage you to have a moment where you are completely honest and vulnerable with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is waiting with his ears to hear you. And maybe in this moment you can have that opportunity to cry out to God. Some of you need to take that opportunity. Some of you need to just recount how God has shown up in your life. Some of you just need a moment where you get to say, God, I know you have been a strong tower for me. You have shown up time and time again. And I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to remember the ways that you have provided for me and my family. And that memory bank is going to serve you well as you face the uncertainties of today. Some of you are going to need to cry out to God. Some of you are going to go deep in the memory bank and remember how God has shown up. Some of you need a moment where you just praise God for who he is, where you proclaim him Lord of your life and you rest in worship before him. Whatever the need is, we're going to give you the space and the silence to do so for just a few moments. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.